0: Welcome to the Chasing Goodness podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzer. Great to be with you as always, and super excited for the guest we have on today. It's a little bit of a lengthy interview, so I'm going to keep this intro short. We've got Keith Giles on the show today. Keith has been, man, he's been having the conversations that we've been having on Chasing Goodness for decades. So, Keith is a former pastor. He years ago left his church to follow Jesus and start uh, a house church. And part of the deal, and I'll let him share the story, part of the deal is that they gave 100% of their offerings away, which is pretty cool. He now, he no longer is a pastor, now he's a full-time author, written a lot of incredible books, also owns a publishing company called Choir, and his newest book is called Sola Mysterium. And again, I'm going to dig right into this interview, let him tell you all about it. So enjoy this interview and this conversation with Keith Giles. Keith, great to be with you today. Keith Giles, for anybody who's wondering, it's not Giles, it's Keith Giles for anybody who has not seen this name before. But I'm so happy to have you on the show. You're one of those guys that people kept telling me you have to meet Keith Giles. And then I'm so thankful that we actually got to meet uh, a week or two ago. And then I just really wanted my listeners to get a chance to hear from you. So just want you to start us out. Um you know i i don't want to be the one that introduces you so why don't you introduce yourself a little bit share <laughs> a little bit of the uh you know 30,000 foot view of who Keith Giles is
1: right right well thank you Matt and uh yeah this is great to have this uh to be on your podcast I appreciate it yeah i um so i guess the 30,000 foot view is i'm um a former conservative NRA member um christian uh, former pastor southern ba- former southern baptist ordained pastor um who walked away from all of that and uh started following jesus
0: did you keep your gun you were an nra but do you have still have all your guns though
1: i about three years ago i finally got rid of my last gun it was just because i didn't know how to get rid of it you know what i mean like i had one but like how do you what do i do with it
0: so (laughs) that's a good point i would have no idea
1: i used to have a lot more but i I had this one little 22 pistol that i just carried around forever. And I was like, uh, we just moved to El Paso. Uh, We moved back to El Paso, Texas, about three and a half years ago. And uh, it was a lot easier to to unload it. So (laughs) no pun intended.
0: Okay. Okay. So we're, we're Southern Baptist gun owning NRA member. Okay. Keep it going. This is already former, former,
1: all of those things. Yes. (laughs) And um, anyway, yeah. So um, golly, I guess this was about man, 15 or so years ago. Yeah, I just slowly started walking away from all those things, um, left left the pulpit, left the church planting thing my wife, Wendy, and I were a part of uh, in Southern California. We started meeting in homes and uh, taking all the offerings that um, everybody put in the basket to provide help, buy groceries and pay rent for single moms and families living in motels um, and things like that. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience just to get out from under the kind of evangelical churchianity kind of thing. And um, that was kind of the beginning of my deconstruction process and um, started writing for relevant magazine. Then I started blogging then. Um, so I published a couple of books and then I published my first book with choir publishing, which was Jesus untangled. And that turned into a seven part book series on different topics related to deconstruction, the cross and hell and the second coming and, Uh, all that stuff, and um, finished up that series uh, about a year ago, and then just published my first book uh, outside of that series called Sola Mysterium, about celebrating the beautiful uncertainty of everything, and recognizing that theology is this weird thing. Theology, at least in most of my experience, theology is this... It's the... um, It's writing books and doing talks and building entire ministries about around a being that transcends all human comprehension and acknowledging that and then saying now let me tell you all about him um <laughs> right. so my that was my whole as i came out of my whole deconstruction journey i was kind of like this is kind of dumb like what are we saying like in other words we can't it doesn't mean we can't talk about god it just means we can't talk about god with certainty yeah we can talk about Because again, the opposite of faith isn't doubt, I'm convinced, it's certainty. Mm -hmm. And so we cannot talk about God, this being that transcends human comprehension, without a measure of humility and without admitting that none of us has the whole, none of us can have the whole picture, the whole story. Um, And for me, that actually became a, it's kind of a freeing thought. I think for some people, if you're not if you're not ready for that yet, that's terrifying what I just said. It's scary or or intimidating. Um, like in the book, one of the things I say is that this is either great news for you or terrifying news for you. But nevertheless, I need to let we need to understand that there is more of Christ or of God to know than you and I could ever know in this lifetime. And that's either scary for you or you say, Oh, that's amazing, right? <laughs> um that's so you so you're either intimidated, like you're terrified. Oh my gosh, what do you mean? I can never fully know God in this lifetime. So it maybe makes you say, Well, then why bother? But for me, it's it, it invites me to jump into this endless ocean of uh knowing knowing God in the sense of and sorry, this is a long answer. That's but quite knowing right. God knowing God outside. Like it's so maybe we, this we should talk about this a little bit more like because in the book I, I differentiate the difference uh, different ways we can know God. in other words, most most of my background experience as an evangelical Christian knowing God was information and theology and doctrine mm-hmm. and now that I've kind of said no, I don't think that's the right way to do it. I still think we can know God, but I think it's a very different animal, very different experience.
0: Yeah, I, so I'm interesting how you got to. I mean, I know it's a long journey, but I would, I would agree with you that this topic, the topic of of the book that we're talking about, Solar Mysterium, and just this conversation in general, it's for me, it's been one of the most challenging conversations to have. Now, I grew up, um, I grew up Catholic, and then I grew up. You know, my relationship with God started in the middle of the wilderness. Really, it wasn't in church. I although I. You know, I enjoyed going growing up Catholic. I enjoyed being a, a good old altar boy and all those kinds of things. Wanted to be a priest when I was young, but the time that I I felt like the first time I ever like actually contemplated God, it was just out in the wilderness, just looking at the the sky, the stars, and it was such a. a beautiful mysterious mysterious moment for me and i never sensed in that space that i ever needed to fully understand god yet i was completely willing to give myself over to to the divine without even thinking about it. And then as I grew up, I think I was taught that, okay, you are supposed to have these theologies or have these. And then when I got into the evangelical space, it was like, okay, you know, you're reading all those books about the certainties and you have to know this and this, and, and you, it's so easy to buy into because if you can hold on to God, if you can wrap your arms around him and know everything that you need to know, well, that's that on some level, that is a, a freeing, But then the more I was in that, the more oppressive that felt, because I I felt the same way as you did is like, Hey, how to me, like the mystery has been what, what brought me toward God. And now you're trying to, somebody's trying to tell me that I'm supposed to understand every little detail of it. And so then I started entering those same conversations as what you're talking about is like, isn't God more amazing if we're not certain about him. Yeah. But I had no idea how offensive that would be to people. (laughs) Keith, I had no idea.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I didn't either, actually. And I mean, uh, I guess I and even even having gone through all my deconstruction process and writing all these th- those seven books I wrote, um, when I when I sat down to write this book, um, you know, I was really just being true to where I'm at. Right. I, I was just trying to say, you know, in the book, like this is where I've landed. This is where I am now. Um, and I sent the book to a whole lot of the people that loved and celebrated and even endorsed my previous books, you know, that I thought were kind of on the same trajectory that I was on too. And I was really shocked when several of them came back to me on this book, because I'm saying, because I'm saying that God is more than we can know and, and, uh, and, you know, more mysterious and more amazing than we could ever comprehend and all of that. Um, Some of those people now came back to me and said, I can't endorse this book or even don't publish this book. Um, Wow. Or things like that. And I was like, really what? So, um, so yeah, I was, I was surprised because for some people, even those who, who are even deconstructing themselves or, um, you know, I, I think this was a little too far for some people in the sense that, because here's what I, I'll just full disclosure. I yeah. kind of think what makes people nervous is that i mean i'm still a jesus guy i love jesus i'm all about likewise yeah. love jesus love all that but at the same time i'm acknowledging that um that the, that the spirit of god um or the christ whatever however you want to think of that um is always in connection and relationship with humanity right this idea that's again it's supported in the scriptures this idea that all who seek will find, all who knock, the door will be open. You know, God isn't hiding away. God, for those who are hungry and thirsty, they will be filled, right? And so I, I'm just pulling back my focus a little bit and and acknowledging that yes, I believe that Jesus is the best picture we can have, and Jesus absolutely was the Christ and all of that. But at the same time, I want to say, yeah, but but some of the same exact things and the wisdom that that jesus spoke about and, and embodied we can find it in buddha we can find it in socrates we can find it in rumi we can find it in like native american shamans like black elk and mm-hmm. other mystics um throughout history some within the christian you know uh, worldview and some with outside of that and that isn't threatening to me it actually when i see you know when i can see christ reflected in those voices and those people outside of the Christian, you know, worldview, that gives me hope that oh yeah, we're all on the, we're all on the right track. Yes, the same God that is speaking through Jesus and the and the prophets is also speaking through these other voices too, and it's the same message, and that is exciting to me. That's that affirms that the message that Jesus gave us is from God. It doesn't threaten it like oh well if, if other if someone other than Jesus had the same you know realization. Or, or inspiration, that somehow that would invalidate what Jesus was saying. No, it's it's like no, they they were all in the same. They, they got it right. They saw the same things, and um and even beyond that, to see it being reflected in right now, what's happening in quantum science, um that these quantum scientists are now, um coming to the same con- kind of conclusions that that the things that Jesus was saying again, and some of the all of these mystics were saying this that that the universe is a great consciousness um not not a great machine and that we're all connected to this consciousness and we're all that this consciousness is in everyone and everything like yeah cool you know that kind of fits with what jesus and paul and others were saying too so again that that's exciting for me but again if you're not there yet if you're still kind of in this thing of like you feel like you have to be a gatekeeper for this thing called christianity and we've got the right brand, and only us, and don't don't go shopping anywhere else. And then I, can, I think for some people, if that's where you're at, then my book can be a little threatening.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and yes, I think we're all kind of weaving through that and try to under, trying to understand how to have these conversations in healthy ways. But I literally last weekend found myself in that same conversation of saying you know, because somebody was challenging me because of my thoughts about other religions and how highly I'll speak of other religious leaders and things like that. I said, Hey, I've got my thoughts. I've got my beliefs, but it seems to me that a lot of other traditions are getting to the same conclusion. I said, that should be a good thing. That shouldn't be threatening. And they, they disagreed, which is, it's okay you know i'm glad we're having the conversation i hope the conversation continues but it's you know it's it's fascinating because i agree with you shouldn't a broader picture of faith be better than a narrow one um, yeah. but that that goes against you know i mean we we have to acknowledge that that goes against A lot of what a lot of us were taught and the older we get, the harder it is to change. And, Uh um, I, I sense you and I know I am myself a person that actually kind of enjoys change and does not mind it. I kind of thrive on it. That's not everybody. And, um, and again, if you're indoctrinated in a certain way, and especially (laughs) you think that has to do with God and heaven and hell and the whole nine yards, like that's, that's a tough horse to hop, hop off of for, for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So, so, like, okay, you bring up a really interesting point about that. And I'm I'm with you. I totally agree. Like, I, I feel like you, our spiritual life should be a journey. It should be, I think, actually, this is what Jesus is saying when he says, you know, metanoia, which gets translated in our English Bibles as repent, but it doesn't mean feel sorry for your sins. It literally means challenge your status quo, change your way of thinking, don't get caught in these i got it figured out right that's also why jesus keeps saying unless you change and become like little children you cannot enter the kingdom like go back to when you knew nothing go back to when you were filled with wonder and awe and full of questions why what why 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 yeah so that's what i think jesus is trying to get us to do is go back to these not so the goal is not to have all the answers and have it figured out like that's not taking us um into the direction that Jesus wants us to go into that I don't think that that's what it's about but but having been raised in a system that did teach me that faith system that taught me no 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 you have to have all the answers and I spent a lot of time in my college years in apologetics and all that kind of stuff and I thought that was that was what I was supposed to do but that doesn't kind of lead in the right direction and so I anyway I've changed my mind about many things that I believed over the years and every time I've done so I feel like I'm I'm getting closer to something, but I I don't ever feel like I've arrived that, Oh, I've got it. This is it. I've got it all figured out. I got all the answers. Right. Um, so what I've noticed in this process, and I talk about this in the book. Um, so I, what I've noticed is the tendency that I've had, and, and you probably could relate to this, that every time I change my mind, I'm still right. When I used to believe this thing over here, I was right. I was yeah. totally right about it. <laughs> But then, I, but, but then suddenly, oh, oh, I learned, I changed my mind. Okay, now I'm right. Now I'm right. Okay, now I'm right. And then, but a few years later, I, I study some more. I hear something else. Somebody shows me something. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. No, no, now I'm right. And and that, if you go through your life, if you go through, you know, so yes, changing your mind is a good thing. But if the way you change your mind is like that, then you you always go through it from the position of, I'm right. And then I changed my mind. Okay, now I'm right. And I changed my mind again. Okay, now I'm right. So I'm always right. But is that reality? Because what's really happening is you were wrong in the beginning. You were wrong before. Then you were wrong again. You're probably wrong now. Like I just for about myself. Like I'm, I know I was wrong about things before. I'm probably wrong about some things right now. Guess what? I bet I'll be wrong again in the future. Mm-hmm. So being right isn't the goal. We're never asked to have the right theology or the right belief system. You know, is as if when we die, we're going to have to pass some kind of cosmic quiz, you know, some kind of cosmic theological quiz to get in, you know, into the kingdom or something. Um, that's the wrong way to think about it. And But again, my evangelical Christian background trained me to believe that as if the gospel was about information, having all the right information, having all the right answers. And man, it is just not. I, I don't believe that anymore at all. I don't think it's about that at all. I don't think the I don't think the gospel is about information. I don't think the kingdom of God is about having all the right information. Um, I think what Jesus says is that it's about transformation, and you can uh, experience this transformation, which only comes. The deeper you are abiding in Christ, the more of a connection and relationship with with Christ that you have. That's where the transformation happens. And the good news is that transformation happens um, if you have, if you're right about something or you're wrong about something. God doesn't seem to care about that. Like your theology could be right on in a couple of spaces or wrong in a couple of other places, but as long as you're in that connection with Christ, the transformation is ongoing. You know. So to me, the goal is the transformation part, not the information thing, because I don't think we can ever be certain about our information.
0: Yeah, I like that. And, you know, I was, uh, yeah, that that makes so much sense. I've started, and I I found that this helps um, maybe just lower the barrier a little bit with people. I've started my conversation, when I'm in these more, what I guess some people feel are challenging conversations, if we think a little bit differently, I usually start by saying, I'm not confident that I'm right. This just makes sense to me, you right. know. And and I often like like you were just alluding to. I said, and I could change my mind, you know. And I, somebody gave me a definition because I was struggling a little bit with the word progressive, you know, progressive Christianity, because like that's just what we needed as another another label on, on something, you know, but then somebody described it. They said, well, you know, think of it like a progressive dinner. Like you just keep moving, you know, and if progressive, because a lot of people say, well, progressive means that, you know, more you're more enlightened. No, it just means that you're willing to move means that you're always moving forward. I like that idea. And when we think, you know, speaking of Jesus, when we think about Jesus, he was the the master at not directly answering questions. And so it seems <laughs> yes. fascinating that we're following this Jesus who almost never directly answered a question, yet we feel, you know, at least have always felt in the evangelical circles and even in the Catholic circles be- before that for me, that um, that we have to have all the answers and that we have to know all That's the right. answers. Just seems absurd when I say it out loud right now, but yeah. I get it.
1: No, that was my experience, yeah, uh, from for a lot of my early you know christian high school college years and even beyond that when i got licensed ordained, and i'm you know on staff at churches and it it seems like yeah and i bought into it for a long time i really you know the the sad thing is i i did spend a lot of time really convinced that i had all the answers i was right i you know and and i was kind of trained that way but it took me it took me i guess and i know everybody has a different journey for me I had to go through sort of that theological deconstruction where um I had to go and rethink the way I approached the Bible. That was super helpful. Mm Um learning how to read the Bible through the lens of Christ rather than as a flat document. That was massive. That was a huge shift. Mm -hmm. And then that allowed me, so once I could do that, then that allowed me to go back into the Bible and read it through this lens of Christ and then look at some of those things that had always kind of bothered me or troubled me, things like the doctrine of, you know, eternal torment or uh penal substitutionary atonement yep. theory or the second coming, the way I'd always heard it, you know, it, that kind of thing. Anyway. So <clears throat> I had to go through that. I had to go through that process. Um, and I, and it was valuable. I mean, I can step back and say, some of it was painful. Some of it was frustrating. Um, But it was really good. I I was really glad that I went through that process. And so now that I've gone through that process, um, again, I always tell people who are going through their spiritual deconstruction process um, to, you know, in all of your, what I say is in all of your deconstruction of your theology, I highly recommend you deconstruct your need to be right. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you're going to just trade one fundamentalist view for another fundamentalist view. And you true. and you could be, oh, I'm look at me, I'm progressive. I used to believe this and now I believe this. Yeah, but you're just as dogmatic and argumentative about it as you were when you believed the other thing. You just traded out the belief, but your attitude is still that you've got the answers and you're right and they're wrong and they're stupid and you're smart. Um, and and that is just and at least for me, I was like, I don't want to be that way. I, I I think this is the wrong way to go. So if I if my goal is to do just to grow and develop in in spiritual maturity into something that looks more like jesus for me i think it is more being comfortable with unanswered questions because like you that to me that's Mm -hmm. that's what it boils down to me when i look at jesus jesus is very comfortable with unanswered questions people ask him a question he doesn't answer the question he gives them another question and then he walks away (laughs) without waiting for them to figure it out he just trusts that 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 we as human beings and with and and with the spirit of christ can work things out we will will dig and we'll chew and we'll process and and that question it's not getting the right answer right it's the process of working out those things and then realizing that that is what our spiritual journeys probably need to look like i had this one question and as i tried to figure out that answer i came up with five other questions
0: right Yeah.
1: and and it's those questions that lead us into what I call this, you know, this beautiful uncertainty of everything—it's um, recognizing that it is it drawing us deeper into that curiosity, that sort of holy curiosity, that spiritual uh, wonder—is what I believe compels us and propels us into this deeper mystery, this unending mystery of Christ. And like Paul says in Ephesians, this this love of God that is higher and wider and longer and deeper than any mind can can comprehend. Even says it transcends knowledge, so it's not something that we get at with information, right? And and I, I have to say this because this is a big linchpin uh, that I talk about in the book. Uh, to me, it's a big paradigm shift. It's a, it's a total paradigm shift from what we're talking about the the do- having the right doctrines, the informational way of of, of approaching God versus the transformational way. So. Um, there's a verse in the Gospel of John, I think it's John 16 or 17, something like that, and anyway, it's where Jesus says something really astounding if we understand what he's really saying. Um, it, it, it reads in our English translations pretty, like, you just step, you just read it and skip over it if you just read it in the English translation. And where Jesus says in John, he says, um, he says, this is eternal life that you would know God and his Son, whom he has sent. And well, because it's written in that sense of, oh, knowing God is, you know, this is what he, this is eternal life to know God. Well, because we've always been, or at least I should say, I was always taught that to know God and to know his son was about having the right doctrines, having the right information. But what's funny is, if you go and look at the Greek, the word Jesus uses there for know, when he says to know God or to know his son, um, if Jesus meant what we, we assume, if we, if Jesus meant that, oh, it's about having the right information, having the right doctrines, having, having the right, you know, knowledge in that sense in your head, um, then he would have used the Greek word episteme, because that's what that word means. But he didn't. He actually uses a, uh, this is the shocking part, the scandalous part that gets missed. Uh, in the Greek, he uses the word when he says no God or no Christ is, uh, gnosco. And gnosco is an experiential knowing. It's the word you would use to talk about what happens when a husband knows his wife and and it conceives new life within her. It's an intimate. I mean, I hate to be this is the scandalous part. It's kind of the word you would use for having sex. It's it's a a deep intimacy of an incredible knowing that goes beyond information. Right? It's an ex- experiential abiding really it's 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 another version of that so um really now back it up and read it again jesus is saying this is eternal life to genosko god to gnosco christ to have that deep intimacy the the kind of intimacy that is so deep and so intimate similar to as, as a husband knows his wife and conceives something new a new life within now that's radical and so moving away from knowing god in the sense of doctrines and theology and blah blah blah, which I think is an impossible way. <laughs> whatever you think you've got, even Augustine. I'm not a huge fan of Saint Augustine, but Saint mm-hmm. Augustine. I have a quote in the book where Saint Augustine even said, um, "If you think you understand God, what whatever that is, it isn't God." Right? I'm paraphrasing, but it's like
0: yeah. Yeah. if
1: you think you know God, that's not God. Yeah. And um, so that's the wrong way to approach it. And I think Jesus is telling us this is the way to know god and to know christ it's this deep intimate spiritual experience of god which again now that's all about transformation that's all about curiosity and wonder that's all about having a question and then another question and then another question um and recognizing that you're never ever going to wrap your brain or your arms around the whole thing but man it's actually a wonderful uh, experience to move in that direction and to experience god in that kind of curiosity and wonder.
0: Yeah, I agree and I think yeah, I love everything that you just said there. Um I also think that Experiencing God in that way, like we see in the gospels, like we see in the lives of people in the early church, even Old Testament people that yeah. we read about, it can be very, very messy. So transformation can be a, a very messy <laughs> process. Um, yes. we're still dealing with our humanity, which leads me to something else that I wanted to I wanted to bring up, but then I was like, Oh, you know, Keith is gonna be on the show. I'll make him talk about it. Okay. So so I I follow you on social media and stuff and um and so every everywhere you see especially in the evangelical world you're seeing this uh this show this movie that's been put out and, oh, and I God. bring this up not to talk about the movie but to talk about the authentic reality of of living a transformative life in Jesus yeah. and how it can be messy and um and so it's called what is it Jesus Revolution I think it yes. is and everybody oh, yes. loves it and it's, it's this beautiful um Feel good uh, <laughs> rendition of the Jesus People movement and yeah. uh, Chuck Smith, um, uh, Lonnie Frisbee, the whole nine yards, and and a lot of people are coming out of this moving feeling so good and so oh. satisfied mm. but the problem with that <laughs> is they're feeling so good and so satisfying because they're keeping part of a pretty oh, significant yes. parts of the the story and unfortunately the parts of the story that are really difficult are the parts that really are getting left out specifically that lonnie frisbee was gay specifically that chuck smith's son was gay both of these people kind of ostracized and uh and and so the reason I bring that up is not to rail on this movie. I don't know the people who made it. I don't know their hearts behind it. I can make all the assumptions that I want to, but my hope moving forward in a pro- more progressive form of faith is a form of faith where we're actually okay talking about the things we either don't understand or the things that are just hard to talk about. Yeah. So share a little bit about because you you have a pretty intimate understanding of this, which I yeah. don't. And so share yeah. a little bit about your feelings on it.
1: Yeah. Well, no, you're you're totally right about that. I guess I got. Well, I'm going to give you some background, I guess, real uh, real quick. So, sure. um, when my wife Wendy and I, uh, after we got married, soon after I got um, ordained in the Southern Baptist uh, Church, we moved to Southern California. We eventually got involved in the Vineyard Movement. Um, I eventually got hired by Vineyard Music Group. Um, John Wimber, who is the the pastor who started the whole Vineyard Movement, um, was was there. I met him several times. I had conversations with him. His son Chris Wimber was my boss and great guy. Loved him. He was actually one of my the best boss I think I ever worked for in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, I knew these people. Um, I met Chuck Smith a couple times. He almost ran over ran me over in his car in the parking lot at Calvary Chapel because they had a bookstore and I was in that bookstore and I stepped out and this car pulled in. almost Literally I had to jump out of the way. The car pulled in the parking <laughs> space. It nearly hit me. And then I'm like, what is this crazy guy? And then Chuck Smith gets out and he's like, Oh, I'm sorry. So <laughs> and anyway, so I, I, I know these people, I've met them a couple of times and, and I certainly, um, Lonnie, you know, this was way after that, the events yeah, of that right. were over. So the venue was already an established, church movement, global mm. church movement, so was Calvary Chapel and all that. Um, but, you know, you you can't be involved in those worlds without hearing the name Lonnie Frisbee, and I heard stories, and uh, eventually I saw this documentary, which I re- highly recommend. If anybody has seen that movie, you're talking about Jesus' Revolution. Or even if you haven't, if you want to know what really is the true, true story uh, go on Amazon Prime. You can watch it for like a like a dollar.
0: It's like a buck something. Yeah, I yeah. just watched it a couple. Of
1: yeah, ago. it's Ilani Frisbee. That's the true story, and it's it's it'll tell you all the good stuff, all the amazing stuff. It'll also mm. tell you the stuff they're not going to tell you in this movie. So I had to write. A, I wrote a blog post about it and trying to call out this. Uh, I guess what uh, what bothers me. I mean, it's a fantasy, right? Like you said, all these people who have watched it who come out and who love it. Oh, it's just amazing. It's so beautiful. It's inspiring. You know, mm-hmm. man, God, uh, you know, uh, people have said, you know, it's so amazing what God did in the, in, in the Jesus movement in the 60s, and He could do it again. And I want to say, yeah. yeah, He could, but only if you're willing to let it be led by another queer man, um, you know, or homosexual Christian. But again, like, they don't know that. Right. And so... Um, that's kind of what bothers me about it and like I don't I don't know that Chuck Smith Jr. was gay but I but he did affirm mm-hmm. uh the homosexual community and for that as a pastor he got I kicked see, out I of see. his father's own denomination uh and and not only that erased from the family tree because in that movie I've, I've said this to people like yeah Chuck Smith Jr. um you know was treated this way and they're like people have seen the movie all they know is the movie they're like Chuck Chuck Smith didn't have a son he had a daughter yeah he did have a son though but they wrote him out of the movie because he didn't you know again it's this weird I don't know it's just it's it's hard to find an analogy for it but it's like you just create this happy happy fantasy version of that story that doesn't include gay the the anybody who's gay or if they are gay let's just not mention that it totally erases people who affirmed the gay community that they don't even exist Chuck didn't have a son what are you talking about um you know, and then then make up the, make this sanitized version of it. Um, that's what bothers me about it. I just, I, I look forward to the day when the church can be honest about their own story and their own history and admit those things and just say, people are gay. And these things are, you know, this is just the way people are. Um, it's like, so I guess the thing that also bothers me is how Christians today are so, so willing to love and embrace Lonnie Frisbee you know from that movie oh what an awesome amazing kid you know that what god did this powerful thing through him but they're not willing to embrace the real lonnie frisbee like his who he really was you know um that that just concerns me and
0: yeah and i think that i think this is just an example of kind of a greater whole right the, the, yeah the message of jesus has really gotten you know throughout the years very whitewashed and very pretty and very wrapped up and very buttoned up to the point that it loses its authenticity and then we're wondering, you know, people are standing back wondering why these, why so many people are running away from the church. Well, you know, I don't care who you're talking about. Almost everybody who's paying attention can recognize when what you're doing, saying, representing isn't true or real. I mean, I think about that with my kids, right? Like, I can, they're teenagers now, so I can try to pull something over on them, but at this point, <laughs> they know me well enough that they're like, Dad, I don't know about that. And yeah. I think that's kind of what people are doing with the church. They're hearing about this Jesus, they're still very much inspired by the person of Jesus, but then they're seen. The church kind of making, you know. I think about the Jesus on my Catholic school wall that was so beautiful and it's blonde, flowy hair and his robes. But, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like that's just not. Uh, uh, Yeah,
1: a wonderful blonde-haired, blue-eyed white guy.
0: Oh, he was gorgeous. He He was gorgeous. Who wouldn't want to be like Jesus? (laughs) Exactly. get, Get all the ladies. Um, but you know, I think that's that's kind of why I wanted to bring that up. Not again to villainize a specific movie but more yeah. to say, hey, I think all any of us want in our spirituality is it for for it to be real raw authentic and uh and in yeah. that in the midst of that find the beauty as well
1: right no and I, I think I, I like that you're bringing out like the the messiness of it because reality is messy right and mm-hmm. um it does not yeah it doesn't fit these little and again this is just a, again in a wider view too. Uh, I wrote the blog post I wrote about it I I, I kind of started off saying this like you know Christian produced film projects are typically not <laughs> great art you know what, what I mean it's not great art because it's it is a fantasy it's sanitized yeah. it's um and yet at the same time I mean I think there's some amazing films I, I'm a huge film buff mm. there's some incredible films that are so Christ-like and so powerful and so beautiful but guess what there's sex in them. there's that bombs there's violence like because that's the real world we live in and i think it it makes it more not less authentic if we can tell a true story about salvation or redemption or transformation and include the all of it the whole story i gotta say i wish i had a 10 million dollars i would love to bankroll A film that was the actual story of Lonnie Frisbee that showed the entire story the whole thing the big messy thing because then it makes um it makes the thing that all the Christians are loving about this new movie like wow the the spirit of God moving and young people coming to Christ and uh, changing having their lives transformed like it makes it more powerful it doesn't make it less It makes it like wow, in the midst in the midst of all of this messiness and human weakness and, and failures and uh, just you know, all of it to say, yeah, and yet look look what look what happened, look what the spirit of God did. I mean it, it goes back to the scripture verse, right? About we have this treasure in jars of clay, right? And, and in other words, like there's this great treasure that's in us, but it's not us, it's you know, it's in spite many times of us. There's this mm-hmm. beautiful thing that that god is doing and god's desire is to do it through every you know i hate even to say like weak because we're all it's it, we're just, it's it's all just this, real right
0: we're, just, just real humanity just
1: humanity is just being human right yeah um but it's like when we want to erase that part and say oh no 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 it was this amazing incredible perfect person that i don't know it um
0: Yeah, I I thought about, you know, because I thought, hasn't every artist, you know, I'm a musician, hasn't every artist, musician wondered, like, why is... Christian art why does it tend to be so horrible and uh <laughs> but I think art wasn't meant to promote an ideology there and you go and like this movie and a lot of Christian music and a lot of Christian films they're yeah, trying that. to promote uh, they're trying to get an end result out of the the listener out of the viewer and you know great art allows you to explore it to the point of coming to your own conclusions and we don't get that opportunity in this movie yeah. or in a lot of Christian
1: all right so you just art. yeah I think you're right so you just—it's the difference between art, like true art, mm-hmm. and an infomercial,
0: there, and, there uh, <laughs> and
1: that's what it is. I think you helped me figure it out. It's good, good. It's, those things come across like an infomercial. Yep. Like, here's this problem. Don't you hate this when this happens and people are doing stupid things and they, they can't all of a sudden they can't <laughs> eat with a spoon or screw in a light bulb or whatever yeah. they they're failing to flip eggs in the. Well, then here's the product that will uh, solve it. this problem that isn't really that big of a problem, but it, we're, we're just going to, you know, like that's what it feels like. It's like all those movies, they're infomercials for uh, just do this and one, two, three, and everything, ding, everything's Bada-boom.
0: great. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, Keith, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Make sure you go out and, you know, if, if I were you, I would just go out and get all of his books. But the one that we've been talking about is Sola Mysterium. You can find them wherever you find your books. Also, Keith uh, is is the person that runs the publishing company Choir. And mm-hmm. so check out any book that's out, out there. They're doing some really innovative, really cool projects right now that I think you'd be interested in. So Keith, where do we find uh, all of this great work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, well, you can follow me. I blog on Pathios, it's, but it's my name, Keith Giles, K E I T H G I L E S dot com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, on Twitter until it blows up. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, happy to connect with people there and uh, Instagram. And all, I think I said that my books are on Amazon. Um, yeah, happy to connect with uh, with anybody who wants to know more.
0: Awesome. And final question where in, in your line of work and all of the conversations that you're having, all the things that you're doing, where you see, where do you see hope in this world?
1: Um, I see hope. Oh, this is tough. Well, I see hope. Cause I, I feel like um, in spite of the fact that it looks like we're, we're taking like, you know, it's two steps forward, one step back. Uh, and typically I'm a pessimist, believe it or not, but I'm becoming more of an optimist in this area. I really do feel there is an inevitability to the kingdom of God. I really feel like eventually love wins. And I do feel like humanity, we're going to get there. It's slow, but I feel like it is inevitable. Um, And I think it's, it's a, it's a one person at a time kind of a thing, this transformational thing that happens, but I see it happening more and more. And uh, I think that's what the whole deconstruction movement is all about. It's about people experiencing that, that transformational process. And it's a lifelong process. So that gives me hope.
0: Special thanks to Keith Giles for joining the show today. Such a great conversation. There will be links to choir, links to Pathos, all in the show notes of this episode. So be sure to check him out, purchase some of his books, just get engaged with the work that he's doing. You can find me at my website, www.mattkinzara.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram under that same name. Also, Chasing Goodness is also on Facebook. And until next time, let's keep chasing goodness together.